I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Deneen Milner is a New York Times bestselling author, award-winning journalist, and director of the Deneen Milner Books Imprint. She has written 30 books for authors, teens, and children, among them Around the Way Girl, a memoir with actress Taraji P. Henson, and Early Sunday Morning, a children's picture book. Oh my gosh, I interviewed her, and I did not even realize until right now that she wrote Early Sunday Morning, which is like one of my favorite books ever. And I cannot believe I just missed that opportunity to discuss it with her. We discussed so much other stuff. It was a really good interview, but oh my gosh. Oh, well, I try to prepare as well as I can, but sometimes I miss like big things like this and I'm sorry. But anyway, that was a great book. Okay, she is also the founder of MyBrownBaby.com, a critically acclaimed blog that examines the intersection of parenting and race, and the host of Speakeasy with Deneen, a podcast produced by Georgia Public Broadcasting. Deneen lives in Atlanta with her two daughters and their adorable golden doodle named Teddy. Hi, Deneen. Okay, so let's talk about this amazing new imprint that you have from Simon & Schuster for young readers with all these beautiful books, which my kids and I loved, by the way, especially this one. This was our favorite. Also, this was great. Loved the colors. But this this was so sweet and like poignant and awesome. And of course, you have other books too. Tell me about starting it. Tell me about everything. Oh, goodness. So Deneen Milner Books was the brainchild or the natural progression from my work as a parenting blogger. So I, I had, I'm a journalist by trade, magazine editor, and I worked for a parenting magazine. I wrote a column for them when I decided to work from home, be a stay-at-home mom, a work-at-home mom, because it wasn't a stay-at-home. <laughs> I was work at home. 
and we all work at home. So that stay at home mom is kind of a moniker that I don't appreciate. But anyway, and, I was and you're like rarely at home by the, I feel like right. you're always out exactly. like running your kid places. Just running, yeah, running, 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 running at running. home. Mom. Let's call it that. Okay. Absolutely. Right. So I, I had a column called, and I'm taking on deep, deep background. That's okay. Go for it. Called, <laughs> called Ask Danine. And basically it was a column where people asked me questions and I gave them answers on ethics and on the ethics and etiquette of raising children, making friends, being a mom, being in a relationship and such. And I started My Brown Baby because I found that a lot of the conversation that was being had about motherhood was completely leaving out black women, black mothers. And so a lot of it, the only time that we seem to get talked to or about was when we were talking about pathology, right? Like if you wanted to talk about teen pregnancy, then you go to a black mom. If you wanted to talk about the school to prison pipeline, you go and you talk to a black mom. Poverty, black mom. But nobody wanted to talk to us about the actual joy and challenges of raising black children or children in general. And then sort of our nuance of what it means to raise a black child in America. So I started My Brown Baby and In the process, it just became like this big, gigantic thing. I had this great audience. I'm also an author. And so I was thinking, how fun would it be to try to create some content, some books for this humongous audience that I have, this rapt audience with Black children? You know, I always found when my children were younger, it was very difficult to find books featuring characters that look like them. This was pre-Amazon. My kids are grown now. One is almost 22. The other one's almost 19. What? You look so young. That's crazy. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And so, you know, like it's been a while since I've had to purchase books specifically for my daughters, although I still buy them children's books, by the way, because they're just beautiful. They're pieces of art and just jewels and they're, and they love them still. And so I went to dinner with the head of a, an independent publishing house called Agate Publishing based out of Evanston, Illinois, Chicago and Evanston. And my ex-husband was having a meeting with him and I kind of, you know, hitched on to the dinner to go and pitch to this small publisher. Hey, what do you think about doing a children's book imprint. He was already doing some really innovative things with this publishing house. He had a specific imprint geared toward black journalists, authors. So I was like, I wonder if he'd be down to do a black children's book imprint. Turns out he showed up to the table with the same idea in mind. You have this amazing platform with all of these parents who are willing and able to buy books featuring book featuring characters that look like black parents or black children would you be down to start this imprint with me? So we both came to the table with that idea. That was 2016. We debuted our first books in 2017. Straight out the box, we did great. Crown and Ode to the Fresh Cut won every major award there was to win for children's publishing in 2018, which was a celebration of books that came out in 2017. And then in 2018, Simon & Schuster came along and they were like, hey girl, (laughs) (laughs) would you like to try and come and work with us and I was like 
Yes, please. And I, I switched to Simon & Schuster, not because Agate wasn't doing well for me or that there was anything wrong with that relationship. I treasure it to this day. I am grateful to Doug Seibold, who is the publisher at Agate, for giving me that shot and letting me opening the doors and letting me do what I do and have fun doing it. But Simon & Schuster allows me to have a much bigger platform. There's more money. There's more infrastructure. There's expertise with production, marketing, and promotion. You know, they have their tentacles just basically in everything because they've been around for forever. They are one of the large, the top five publishers in the world. And so it just made sense to head over there so that I could create these opportunities for Black storytellers and creatives who may not have gotten a shot at a top five publisher, if not for imprints like mine. And so this is my debut year with Simon & Schuster. We've done great. Me and Mama is one of the books that was actually the first book that I published, that I purchased when I went over to Simon & Schuster. I'd seen it when I was over at Agate, but I didn't have enough money for it. And so when I went to Simon & Schuster and I had a little bit more money, I went back to Cosby Cabrera's agent and was like, so I'm at Simon & Schuster. What's up? Is that book still available? And she was like, yes, it is actually. And, and I was shocked because, hello, you, do you see this? Do you see so this? so gorgeous. This, this I, I know. It's just like, I just it? wanted to show you some of the pages. Right. I mean, it's so simple, but so beautiful. It looks like, right. you know, this broken cup on this brush, heavy brushstroke right. blue I'm trying to do a, a, a verbal interpretation of this artwork <laughs> for people listening, but I'm not so good at that. I mean, it's so cute. Like, oh my gosh, it's just so artistic. Right. And Cosby. Like I, Cosby. Would, I would frame this and put it on my kitchen wall. Thank you. I'm Like I'm trying to decide. Actually, this looks a lot like my kitchen. <laughs> Isn't it gorgeous? I'm going to send you a picture of my kitchen after. This has like the same blue like backsplash and looking. everything. And I have this pot. Crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. In the blue. Anyway. Yeah. So, you know, when she wrote that book, she came to me, it was initially a board book and it was just sort of comparing mommy's things to daughter's things. When she came to Simon & Schuster, she was like, yes, it's still available. And I've changed it a bit. I've turned it into a day in a life of this sort of day between mommy and daughter that incorporates sort of the things that our children do when they spend time with us. It's like, oh, your ear is this big and my ear is this big. Your nose is this big and my nose is blue. My eye is blue, your eyes is brown. My shoe is purple, yours is tall and has a heel. Like that's what kids do when they spend time with the people that they love, they want to connect with them. And the way that they do it is to compare, right? And to say, I honor you and I respect you and I look up to you. And so I want to see what it is that I can connect with you on. And so she turned it into this, you know, this, this slice of life between this mom and daughter. And what I love about the story is that it's just, It just is. That's, you know, like those are the days that I still have with my daughters. There'll still be times when my 21 year old comes home and we'll just spend the day together. And it's, you know, a very ordinary day that turns out to be extraordinary because it was ordinary, because we spent time just sort of in each other's space, connecting heart and passion and love and togetherness. 
And something as simple as cooking a meal together or watching a movie or sitting and reading books to one another or just being quiet and still and in the same place. So I really, I love that. And I think that Cosby did a great job bringing that magic together. I agree. That makes me sort of almost sad for like time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just wish I had that time to sit and do nothing. Like, where's the picture here of like the mom totally stressed running around like on her phone and sitting at her (laughs) desk like me all day? Like, there's no happy, like no one's (laughs) laughing in a picture like that. No, that's not in here. Where is that picture? (laughs) Get in the bed. Get in the bed, turn the light off. Where is the mom like crying on the bathroom floor? I don't see her either. Like what? No, I have a different children's book narrative for myself. Oh my gosh. When I cover my face like this, it's not because I'm happy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I love that book. I just love it. I mean, yeah, it's like quality time encapsulated. (laughs) So are you like, I've always been really interested in starting an imprint. I like still have this sort of dream that I'm going to start my own imprint for like nice. women memoirists or something. I almost did it recently, but it. like, what is it actually like? Like, cause I feel like I would be so emotionally invested in the books that it would like take over my own life and like everything else I was doing. Like, I feel like I would almost feel more responsible for their books than I would a book of my own. Absolutely. And that's exactly that. That is a very accurate assessment. And there are times when I have to talk myself into, you know, like, You just have to pull back just a little bit, divest a little bit because, you know, like I run an imprint, but I'm still an author. I'm still a working author and a working journalist. And so the imprint is a passion. I don't make a whole lot of money, (laughs) you know, running this imprint, but I, you know, my bread and butter and tuition is paid by my writing. And so I have to remind myself of that, that, you know, like there is a whole infrastructure of people who are very, very good at their jobs and, you know, enjoy doing them and don't need me to have my hand in every single solitary thing that has to happen in order for this book to be birthed. Right. So I look at myself as the doula. Mm-hmm. And when I look at myself as the doula and it's like, you know, you are doing the work. I am just coaching you through this. I'm helping you. I'm telling I'm, you know, making sure that all the other people in the room who are here to help this baby be birthed are doing their jobs to the best of their ability for the sake of giving birth to this baby. But you are the one who is having the baby. This is your baby. It's not mine. And when I keep that in mind, when I'm doing these books, it makes it a little bit easier. I think I come to it in a different kind of way, maybe because I'm an author and, you know, like it's my baby. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I sat here and I wrote it and, you know, like I went to sleep thinking about it. I dreamed about it. I woke up, I worked on it some more. I, you know, skipped a Saturday afternoon out in the park in the sun because I tied myself to this computer. And so that means something. Every word that's on that page meant something. There's a reason why it's there. And you know, like, I don't want to just willy nilly have, have someone just willy nilly change my words around for their own purposes. Like, this is my baby. I decided how her hair would look today. I decided what shoe she would wear today. I decided that she would have Cheerios instead of Fruit Loops, or I, you know, made pancakes instead of French toast because that's my baby. And so I respect that when it comes to my authors. But boy, is it a lot of work to run an imprint, right? So it's, there's 
so much work in terms of getting the production, the marketing and the promotion together, getting the illustrators and keeping them on on task, getting the authors and keeping them on task, that sometimes actually reading through submissions is an afterthought, Mm -hmm. which is just terrible because it's just like, you know, when someone sends you their work and they want you to consider it for publication, they don't want to wait months for you to like read you know, 200 pages. They want you to let them know if this is something that you want to publish. And if you are, let's, let's get to it. Right. But there's so much work to be done that sometimes I literally have to put my own work aside, put the imprint work aside and just say, okay, I'm going to sit here and just read everybody else's work and see what's new and what, what I can purchase, what may not work for me. I'd never want to give a no without saying, giving a specific reason why, which would give you the chance to decide if you're going to work on, you know, maybe making what it is that I saw could be a better book better, or if you're going to just take it to someone else who sees your vision, right? But, you know, I I, I used to hate rejection letters. I was just like, no, thanks. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, what is it that you didn't like? What is it, like, is there some usefulness that you could give me that could make this work better? I'm always down for making something better. And so, and then there's, you know, like when there's something that I love and and I get to say, here's why I love it. Here's what I, you know, I can convince the company to put behind it. And I am the conduit or the, the doula who's going to make that happen. And so it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot okay. of work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I needed to hear that. I'm always like, I can fit one more thing in, but it sounds like a whole nother job. Okay. It is. You know, it is. I was almost conceptualizing it less like a doula and more like a grandmother, you know, like, like there's that pride of ownership and yet you're not really responsible. Like you can't right. really be right. in charge, but right. you have the right to kind of hover. <laughs> Right, 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 right. But grandma can walk away. Or maybe this is just my relationship with my mother coming. (laughs) Grandmothers can be gully. Like, you know, all right, girl, I'm finished. Take your baby back. (laughs) I'm done. But but a doula, you like, you're paying her to, you know, do what she's supposed to do. And she has to stick to it until, you know, that baby is born. And, you know, I think past the six week you know, check up. Okay. A little more transactional. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, everybody's heart is in the right place, but it is transactional. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Wait, so go back to your own babies, your books that you're proud of yourself and like the writing, the, 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 your day job, if you will. Tell me more about the writing. Oh goodness. So I am in the throes of finishing up a book called The Beautiful Blood. And it is an epic story about three women three Black women in America, one who gives birth to a baby and has that baby taken away from her in like the 1960s South, or, well, she's born in the 1940s, so you see her life in the 40s and 50s, and then sort of what happens to her baby in the 60s. And then the second one is a the mother who adopts that baby who gets taken away. And then the third part is the actual baby as a mother and grown up living her own life and sort of comparing her life to that of her mother and sort of through epigenetics feeling the things that her birth mother went through when she had her own children. And oh my God, you know, like daily I wake up and I'm like, what were you thinking? <laughs> like, who told you you could do this? <laughs> Why? Like when I hang up with you, I'm going to sit here like this in front of this computer, just like this. I don't even understand what I was thinking when I told these people at St. Martin's Press and these eight other countries that I could do. (laughs) Of course you can do it. But oh my God, yeah, that is a lot of pressure. (laughs) But here I am. It is. That's a great idea. It's a beautiful, beautiful story that's that's rooted in some form of reality, right? I'm an adopted child. I was left, I'm told, on a stoop, and my parents came along and found me at an orphanage in Manhattan four days after I was brought there from wherever I was found. And, and my parents are the most loving, hard caring, giving, you know, parents that I could have ever asked for. Like I I am convinced that my birth mother did the absolute best thing she could do for me was to leave me somewhere so that my parents could find me and be my parents. Because if it were not for them, I don't think that I would be where I am today. 
you know, my parents are Southerners. My mom was from South Carolina. She passed away about almost 19 years ago. And my dad lives in Virginia. He's 86, still my best friend. And, you know, they, they lived good lives, right? Not, they weren't rich. They weren't poor. They were, you know, solidly working class Black people in America who had factory jobs, My mom, you know, was in the church. They had their small group of friends that they went bowling with and played bikino with on Saturday nights. And they lived good, quiet lives. And I want to honor in this book, my mother in particular, because I feel like, you know, she's in the, the, I I wrote an essay for the New York Times that's coming out this Sunday. And, And in it, I say my mom was of a generation that was in the crook between the civil rights movement and feminism and the feminist movement. And Black women, you know, tend to get sort of lost between the two movements. Like feminists of the time tended to fight primarily for white women. And then with the civil rights movement, you fought for Black people, but by Black people, we meant Black men, right? And so where do Black women fall in that? And I felt like my mom lived this beautiful life, but she also lived a very invisible life that never gets talked about in any kind of grand way. Like, who was she? Who were her friends? How did they, you know, deal with being treated not as an equal to their men and having these expectations of sort of this Ozzy and Harriet kind of, you have dinner on the table, you are responsible for the kids, you're responsible for the house. But You also, because your husband is Black and doesn't make a whole lot of money because of circumstances of Black people in America, you know, you have to work too, right? So (laughs) you're working full-time, probably not making as much money as the men surrounding you or the white women surrounding you, and, you know, going through all kinds of different kinds of racist things happening to you. At the same time, you have to go back home and sort of deal with what it means to be a woman in a household with a man who has expectations of you that are very old school. I I am man. I take out the garbage and mow the lawn and then you do everything else kind of thing. Who are those women? And, you know, like I wanted to honor my mom in that kind of way by actually exploring that on the page and then exploring, you know, who my birth mother may have been and how she may have gotten to that point where she had to either have her baby taken away or give her baby away in order to see a better life for her or what it felt like to have your baby taken away. And then what it's like to be the person who is the recipient of sort of the trauma that comes from both of those things, right? The trauma of being left, right? Because anybody who is adopted can tell you that there's not a day that goes by that you don't think of your birth parents, whether they've been in your life or not, whether you had a great experience with your adoptive parents or not, there is something inside of you, inside of your DNA, in your heart, in your gut, in your sinew that is forever connected by blood, by that beautiful blood that runs through your veins. And so I wanted to explore what that means to have that blood running through me and honor that, but also honor the woman who taught me how to be. And so that's what this book, and I, girl, I don't know 
if it's going to read anywhere like what I had intended, what you just heard coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but I'm trying. I am trying. <laughs> you, well, first of all, you are an amazing storyteller. I could just like sit here like with my chin in my hands like all day, just like listening to you tell these tales. You're a gifted storyteller. I am sure that that is on the page as well. You, all you have to do is just say that and like put it down there. <laughs> but wow, what a wild story. Did you ever try to find your birth parents? No, I have no, no, no never. desire. Oh no desire. No, no I desire. No, like my no. parents are everything to me. And that's that, you know, yeah. it's funny. I watched, you watch the show. This is us. I've seen it. I don't watch it. Okay. All right. But I so know there, what you mean. I've, I yeah, have watched a, it enough right, once or twice. Right. Okay. So there's a character on there, Randall, who is one of the triplets, right. But he's not really there. He's a baby that they picked up the day that they had these two other babies and the third baby passed away. So they grab this baby who had been left at the fire station and bring him home. I have not watched it enough to know that. So I guess never mind. But anyway, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So Randall is black. Okay. The two, the family is white. And this season they've been exploring Randall coming to terms with the fact that he was a black boy who was raised by these white folks. And there were a lot of things that he had to kind of push down and push to the side and not explore growing up because he was just, you know, like not so much he was happy to be there, but it's it's not just a matter of being happy to be there. It is, it's being grateful to be there, but understanding that, how do I explain it? Because, he, you know, like the, the, the emotions that he's going through, it's like he's taken them out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to disrespect the people who basically, you know, like created this space for you to live. Like, you know, so many different things could have happened to me. My mother could have decided not to have me, right? She could have decided, well, maybe I should go see a back alley somebody and just handle this. Or maybe I should, you know, put her in a, you know, a trash bag out on the side of the road and just forget about this. Or maybe I should do what she did is put her somewhere safe so that somebody can come along and take her. And so my parents coming along and finding me means something to me. That is a gift to me. That's the gift of life from, from two, from three different people, right? My birth mother and then my mother and my dad. But I don't, I don't want to ever have my parents question my loyalty to them and what, and and my loyalty to our family that they graciously brought me into and created for me. And, you know, like my dad is of the mindset, like you're my daughter and that's all there is to it. And that's the way that I live. You're my dad and that's all there is to it. And so I don't, I don't have any desire to do that. Yeah. I'm not trying to pressure you, you know. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, this (laughs) is a question. No, I'm sure you get this question a lot. I know. Oh my gosh. You know, every time I say, you know, I'm, I'm adopted. The first thing that someone asks I'm sorry. I'm so No, it's, it's not, it's not bothersome to me at all to be asked the question. I always, you know, like I like to explain it. And my, my journey is different from, you know, the next person's, Mm -hmm. you know, there are people who go out there and they, they actually, you know, no matter what anybody has to say about it, they're going to go and find their their birth parents. And sometimes that story works out great. And sometimes it's really ugly. I have no, you know, like horse in that in that race. I, I'm nowhere in the stadium. So maybe there's though some deeper 
reason why this is your first book. Just saying, maybe. Going to just put that out there <laughs> as your armchair psychologist of the afternoon. <laughs> Whatever that means to you. Right, 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 right. There is another book that that I that I published in the first season at the same time as me and Mama. It came out a little bit earlier called called Just Like a Mama. And it's by this incredible writer and librarian out of Memphis named Alice Faye Duncan, who wrote a piece about a little girl being raised by a mom who is not her birth mom, right? Just like a mama. And the whole book is about, you know, like how this little girl misses her birth mom, her birth parents, but she's she learns how to really appreciate and love this woman who's raising her just like a mama. No, I did read that too. Yeah. Did. It's just that been a one. little while. Yes. I remember there yeah. was something with and the tablecloth, right? Weren't they sitting in like, right. yeah. Okay. Yes. It's like eat your peas, yeah. Caroline. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, that, that book I think resonates with me even more than me and mama. When I think of me and mama, I think of me and my, and, and my daughters. Yeah. But when I think of just like a mama, I think about my mom and dad and just sort of like this, this kinship that we have that is not rooted in, in blood, but is absolutely rooted in, in heart. I love that. That's beautiful. Okay. Last question for you, because I feel like I could sit here and listen to you all day. So I have to like tear myself away from this conversation, but do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Oh goodness. Sure. I'm, I'm a fount of advice for aspiring authors. And are you talking about authors like children's book authors? Or are you talking about authors in general or just authors in general? However you choose to do it. Authors in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 biggest advice, my best advice to authors is to is two things. Write every day. No matter what, no matter if you're on deadline, no matter if you have a project that you are starting or completing, write every day. I have a friend named Karen Goodmarable. We spend a lot of time. She's a writer, one of my favorite writers. When I was a young journalist at the Daily News and then became an editor at Honey Magazine and Parenting Magazine, Karen used to write for like Vibe and Essence and all of these great magazines. And I would literally tear her articles out of the magazine and hang them up like posters. Like she has such a beautiful, beautiful writing voice that echoes her everyday voice. She's from... I think Southern people have just like this really beautiful way of using language and telling stories. And she is from Prairie View, Texas. And though she doesn't have an accent, she has very much that sort of storytelling cadence and it comes out in her writing. And I just adore her. And she she moved here a few years ago. And so we are constantly communicating with one another when it comes to writing. And she had read something somewhere that suggested that in order to get yourself sort of primed to write, that you sit down every day and just like take a journal and write four pages. Just write four pages, free write. Doesn't You don't have to sit down and say, today I'm going to write about flowers. You just sit down and you just, you let your hand write. And she said, by the time your hand gets to the fourth page, the truth has no other choice but to come out. And I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> we try it. And so I tried it. And sure enough, whenever I'm sort of at a loss for for how to start a chapter or what a character should be thinking or how they're going to respond to something that I put on the page, sitting there and writing four 
nonstop, hand on a page, not typing, handwritten on a page. Oh my goodness, the things that come out on that page that somehow always have some kind of relevancy to what it is that I think I want to communicate on a page. So write every day, you know, whether it's working on a project or working on an idea or coming up with an idea, just sit down and let your hand touch that page. And then the, the second thing is read, like game recognizes game. So you got to read, <laughs> you have to pick up these books and just, you know, like I'm sitting here, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I had a couple of meetings earlier, so I haven't written today. So I'm going to write as soon as we hang up and I picked up, Oh yeah, this, you are your best thing. I can't thing. wait to read that book. Yeah. And I was reading Jason Reynolds, his first story and yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah, what I do is not right. And I need to step my game up. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, I want to throw this computer across this across the room and never look at it again and maybe go, you know, pack groceries at Kroger because that's all I'm worthy of right now. I I'm I should not be a writer. But you know, when you read other people's work, you see storytelling, you hear cadence, you see how to form a beginning, a middle, and an end. You see how to color a sentence. You see how to put together ideas and processes, and you come away from it a stronger writer when you look at somebody else's work and read it and really glom into it. And then you go and put your hand on the page. So it's write every day and it's read every day, period. Amazing. Wow. Well, Deneen, thank you. This has been so much fun and really inspiring. And I hope I get to meet you in real life at some point. We can thank hang out or you. something. But that would be lovely. I'm thrilled to. If only that I get to like lay on that couch and read a book. Come on oh over. God, that looks- Are you in New York? Are you in New York? Maybe just- no, I'm in Atlanta. Oh, well, but, I, but I, I'm from New York. What part of New York are you in? If you don't mind my ass. Upper East Side, you know. Okay. See, I can come and see you when we, when the world opens back up. And I can actually go into the offices of Simon and Schuster, which I've only done once. Then I can stop by. Come, please do. I used to have authors (laughs) here all the time, so please come. I would love it. All right, (laughs) take care. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.